those wings Bear you on the breath of dawn Make your dish shine like the sun And hold you in the palm of His hand my rock in whom I trust, and he will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his And he will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun, and hold you in the palm of his hand. You need not terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. If you have your Bible today, I'd ask you to turn with me to Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. The title of the message today is, Be Careful How You Live. 
Let me read our text. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. You know, time in many ways is our most precious resource. You can always get more money, but you can't get more time. You can't borrow it. You can't save it. You can't buy it. You can only use it. And if you don't use it, you lose it. If you do not learn how to manage your time, then probably you won't be able to manage anything in your life. There's a cartoon of Calvin and Hobbes. Perhaps you've seen that. Calvin says, you know, God put me here on earth to do a certain number of important things. And at the rate I'm going, I am never going to (laughs) die. Have you ever felt like that? The problem is not time. The problem is how we use our time. If, If you have to learn to manage and organize your time... Uh, A wonderful reason for that would be so that you could have a very clear and distinct life purpose, a life mission. You know, in many companies, they have a mission statement. You know, we individually ought to have a mission statement to lead people to Christ, to develop people in our faith. That is a great mission statement. Well, how do we do that? The Bible gives us three essential steps that we have to take. I want to mention these. Number one, I set my goals. Number two, I organize my activities. Number three, I harmonize my time to meet my goals. I want to go through each of these with you. And uh, it, it kind of builds. And at the end, it kind of comes together. Every purpose-driven person sets goals. We really need to be a purpose-driven people. Paul was a purpose-driven person. In 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. He ran straight toward the goal. When I was in high school, I ran on the track team, and our coach... Uh, would uh, get us all lined up uh, in our certain lanes, and he'd say, now when the race starts, don't wander around in your lane. Run straight. The quickest way between two points is a straight line. It's shortest, it's quickest if you do that. He said, look down the field there, look down the lane, and you'll see the finish line. Run straight at it, straight at it, no deviations. You know, uh, we should do that very same thing in our lives. We need to have a goal, a thing that we're running toward, a place that we're trying to reach, a place that we're trying to go. Goals really are a statement of our faith. It pleases God if we set individual goals. Why? Because it shows that we have faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So every time you set a goal, you are showing faith, and that is pleasing to our Heavenly Father. 
God wants every one of us to set the goals and to put feet to our mission. He wants us to know how we're going to get to the place that we're going. Goals force us to be very specific with our life. Now, I must warn you, you need to be very careful about the goals that you set because some of them really aren't worth giving your life to. You know, you get to the end, you reach your goal, and you think to yourself, well, you know, this really wasn't all that important. Why did I give it all that time and effort and energy? Why did I do that? So you need to ask yourself up front, is this what I should do with my life? Is this really what God wants me to do? Because if it isn't, then certainly you don't want to set that as one of your goals. Why do goals have such a powerful effect on our life? Because the Bible teaches in James 4, this is very important, that we move toward whatever we focus on. If we're focusing on the wrong thing, guess what? We move in that direction. If we focus on the right thing, guess what? We move in that direction. The problem with most books on goal setting is that they ignore the most important aspect of your life. Most books ignore the fact that God says he wants our goals to be based on his purpose for our life. That's the key. In 2 Corinthians 10, the scripture says our goal is to measure up to God's plan for us. Let me give you five faith questions to ask as you set the goals for your life. Number one, will it glorify God? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Number two, will it make me more like Jesus? The Bible says, whatever you do, whatever you say, let it be a representative of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3.17. A good thing to ask is, would Jesus do this? You know, when you're setting out your goals, would Jesus do this? Would he be pleased with this particular goal in my life? Number three, will it make a positive contribution to the world? Paul is telling us that there are some things in life that are not necessarily wrong. They're just not all that important. I knew a guy earlier in my life that uh, his main goal in life was to get one of Mickey Mantle's gloves. I'm serious. He saved his money. He... Uh, did extra jobs. I mean, he did everything in the world he could do. And finally, when he was about 60 years old, he got one of Mickey Mantle's gloves. And I thought to myself, buddy, you have missed it. You have missed it. That isn't all that important. Do not let good keep you from the best. Number four, will it enhance my life message? You don't want to set a goal that uh, doesn't allow you to share your faith along the way. That's very, very important. Number five, can I do it in faith without doubting? 
Listen, if you're not enthusiastic about a goal, then don't set it because you won't follow it. You won't try to reach it. Don't make any puny goals in your life. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. That is who we're working for. The Lord. If you cannot work at it with all of your heart, then please don't set it as a goal. All right, Roman 2, organizing my activities. Sometimes um, we would call this planning, planning our life. Your goals must be translated into actions and activities. Some people set goals uh, for their life and then they forget about them. They don't pay any more attention to them whatsoever. They never take any action on them. You know, some people, every New Year's, they set 14 goals, and they never even think of them again. They're gone by supper time. (laughs) They don't ever think about them anymore. Well, we have got to put our goals into constructive activities and our activities into actions. God has a lot to say about planning in the Bible. It's a very important topic. In fact, God plans. He planned the world in a very orderly fashion. He wants you to plan. Proverbs 17.24 says, An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Do you know anybody like that? They're just going here, going there, going over there. I mean, they're they're just moving. They're not accomplishing anything. They're just moving. This is what happens when you fail to plan. You go off on a bunch of different directions. You must have a a game plan for your life. Otherwise, you're going to be reacting to this crisis and then that crisis and then this other crisis. You're going to be bounced around because of problems that will come up. Oh, I've got this problem. I've got to take care of this right now, right now. I've got to do this. And then tomorrow, oh, I've got this problem. I've got to take care of this problem. This is a very important problem. I've got to work on that. You should have a plan for your life. It's like the old statement, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. And that is exactly the truth. Proverbs 13, 16 says, a wise man thinks ahead. A fool doesn't. God says you need a plan that is very clear, very concise, very directed. Why? Because you're going to spend the rest of your life in the future. You had better have a plan for it. You may be thinking about that verse in the Gospel of Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, give no thought about tomorrow. And you say to yourself, well, that seems like that's a contradiction with, with what uh, you're saying. Well, it isn't a contradiction. Jesus was talking about worry, not about planning. We are not to worry about tomorrow, but we are supposed to plan for tomorrow. In fact, if we planned more for tomorrow, we would have a lot less to worry about tomorrow. 
If you are living your life by a to-do list, then you are not a purpose-driven person. You are activity-driven. And that's not good. The question you need to ask yourself is, should I really be doing this? Is this important enough for me to do, for me to give all my attention to? Most people organize their lives around two things, that which is urgent and that which is unfinished. We get up in the morning, we ask ourselves, what fire do I need to put out today? What do I have to handle right off the bat? So they run around putting band-aids on this and this and that and that. You can be so busy swatting mosquitoes that you don't have time to drain the swamp. You never get to the root of the problem. The other thing you do is to work on the unfinished. You get uh, your to-do list out from yesterday and you say, well, what didn't I finish? I got to do that first. Well, you need to stop and ask yourself, should I even have this on my list? Is this that important that I do this? Is it really a value? Don't be activity driven. Be purpose driven. How do you do that? You set your goals according to God's purpose for your life. And then you organize your activities to achieve that purpose. In the Olympics, one of the little known but interesting events is the pentathlon. I don't know if you've ever even heard of that. They don't uh, uh, really uh, have a lot uh, about that on TV, I, I notice. The pentathlon consists of five events. They're running, swimming, shooting a pistol, fencing, and horseback riding. Well, the goal, if you're going to be in that competition, is not to be just real good at one of those. You've got to be good in all five of those if you're going to win the medal. You've got to really work hard to have some balance in your preparation so you'll be ready for all five events. Your life is a lot like a pentathlon. There are five dimensions of your life that you have to deal with. Let me give you those five things. Number one is your personal life. Your personal life includes your personal development as a child of God. Because you are not just a parent. You're not just a spouse. You're not just a professional. Because you are a person, first of all. In Proverbs 4.23 it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. First, you have to take care of your personal life. Most people are like poor photographs. They are overexposed and underdeveloped because they do not work on their personal lives. The tendency is to work on our public life rather than our personal life. We think, well, now everybody's going to see this, so this has got to be good. And so we put all of our energies, all of our effort, all of our mental gifts on making the public thing good, while our personal life begins to crumble all around us. 
God says start on your personal life. And that includes guarding your heart. Number two is your family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith. Now that is strong. I mean, that is a very, very strong biblical uh, statement. Uh, It says, if you have denied the faith, if you ignore your family, your husband, your wife, your kids, your grandkids, if you don't watch after them, if you don't teach them, if you don't pray for them, if you don't mold them, guide them, It's worse than you not having any faith. If you are a parent, it's part of your life mission to pour yourself into those children and to make them more than they would ever be if you were not there. Number three is my church. The Bible says that if you are a believer, then you have responsibility to those people in your church. Ephesians 2.19 says, you are members of God's very own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. What's Paul telling us? He is telling us that we cannot become all that God wants us to be without being a part of a church family. Why? Because God says that the church is a part of the plan for your life that gives you stability and support. It's very important to have a Sunday school class that knows you because you've been there. And they're praying for you when you go through a hard time in your life. It's very important that you use the gifts that God has given you in the church, like these folks behind me. Uh, They're using the abilities that they have to enhance our worship service and to help people to move even closer to Jesus. The fourth one is my work. You have a relationship with the people with whom you work. Titus 3.14 says, Learn to devote yourselves to doing what is good, in order to provide for daily necessities and not live an unproductive life. God wants you to be self-supporting. He doesn't want you to depend on other people. The job that you do is a reflection on whose you are and what you are. And then the last one, number five, is my world. Because you are not just a parent, you're not just a spouse, you're not just a child, you're not just a person, you're not just a professional, you are a citizen of the world. We have a responsibility to the people around us and then some folks that are even uh, away away from us, especially the unchurched. Now what do you call somebody that is successful in say number four? Well, you'd say they're successful at work. They're making a whole lot of money. Well, is that at the personal cost of losing their health, their family, and make no contribution to the world around them? 
What do you call that person? One day, they're going to stand before God, and God is going to say to that person, you were a failure. You were a failure. One day, guess what? We're going to stand before God. Each and every one of us is in this house this morning. We're going to stand before God. And he's going to ask you what you did with your life. And if you say, well, I made a lot of money. (laughs) The buzzer's going to go off. That's the wrong answer. That is the wrong answer. There's nothing wrong with making money. But there are four other areas of your life. Like the pentathlon. And you've got to be good in all four of these areas, all five of these areas that I've mentioned. You need to balance your life so that God can work aggressively in each of these areas. My last point this morning, number three, I harmonize my schedule around my goals and my activities. Harmonize means to bring into agreement. You see, knowing your life mission and purpose is one thing. Having goals and planned activities is another thing. But if you don't make them a part of your life, then you're just kidding yourself. You have to schedule for the important things. Because if you don't schedule the time, you won't have the time. You have to make them for those important purposes that God has for your very being. We tend to give priority to the scheduled events on our calendar. Let's say you have a doctor's appointment tomorrow at 2. Well, guess how you orient your day. You say, well, now, I've got that doctor's appointment at 2. So I've got got to do that. And then you kind of fit other things in around it. Well, uh, instead of letting other people schedule your whole day, what you need to do is schedule something in the morning. Say, well, this is when I'm going to have my quiet time, 9 o'clock. In the afternoon, at 3 o'clock, I'm going to make an appointment for that time in my life, and I'm going to go see Mrs. So-and-so, who's in the nursing home, because I haven't seen her in a long time. You schedule some things that are important to keep you moving in the straight line toward the goal that is worthy of you giving your life to it. Make the best use of every opportunity. How do you do that? By being a purpose-driven person instead of an activities-driven person. By focusing on priorities rather than on pressures. Do you remember the Ed Sullivan show when it was in black and white? Raise your hand if you remember that. Whoa! That's almost all of us. I remember it. I remember it. Now, if you weren't around in the days of black and white TV, the Ed Sullivan show was a weekly variety show. And I love that show. I thought it was a great show. And uh, I watched it every, every week. Wasn't anything else to do, of course. But I watched it every week. I loved it. And one guy was on there. I think he was on there two or three different times. And he was amazing. I mean, he was amazing. 
he would take these these uh, short poles and he would put a saucer on one of these poles and then he would hit it and on the side and he'd get that saucer spinning around on top of that pole and then he'd set that one down and then he'd get another one and he'd set it up and he'd put a saucer on it and he'd get that plate spinning around and he'd set that one down and then he'd get another one and then he'd get another one and it just amazed me he'd get 12 of those things all working it was just fascinating to me I said whoa that one's going to fall down and he'd run over there he'd hit that saucer and it'd start spinning real fast again it was just incredible I thought he had a dozen of those things going it would look like one was about to fall he would rush over there now, I know this guy's trying to watch all 12 of them at one time. He would rush over there. He'd get that one going again. Can you imagine the stress that that guy had <laughs> while he was on national television spinning those saucers? I mean, for about three minutes, four minutes, he's got to get, get all that stuff going and keep it going. Frantically trying to keep any plates from crashing to the floor. When you look at that and stop to think about it, his act and our lives have some things in common. We find ourselves rushing frantically from one activity to another, from one appointment to another, from one uh, little thing that you feel like you need to do to another. We have to keep all of our commitments. We have to do this, do this, do this. We become so involved in so many different activities that we totally lose sight of the purpose of our life. We begin to move through the motions, hoping that we don't forget anything that we're supposed to. Keeping those saucers spinning, spinning, spinning. Remember now, our scripture says, be very careful then how you live. This morning, could we start putting first things first? Important things first. Godly things on our calendar. Godly things at the top of our goals list. As we do that, we find that we have a godly purpose for our life. Well, today, if uh, you're in the house and you have come to this service, perhaps you've come many times before. And you've thought about trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you haven't done it yet. You've been thinking about it, but you haven't done it. Folks, you've got to set your goal. You've got to say, this is the direction that I'm going. I'm going straight in this direction because this is the crucial thing that I'm going to do in my life is give my heart, my soul to the Lord Jesus. I'm going to make a public profession of my faith because I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He died for me. I love him. I'm not going to be ashamed of him. Maybe you're here today, you've been visiting with us for a period of time, and you'd like to come and join this church. We'd love to have you. The doors of the church are wide open. We want you to come. We need your help. God has gifted you in special ways. Please, please 
Come and help us to do the job that God has called us as a church to do. We're going to sing a hymn. I'm going to stand out here in front. If the Lord leaves, you just slip out, slip forward, take a stand for him.